All right, children, you are dismissed. Junior church hour. And uh, let's take our Bibles this morning, please. Turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15 this morning. Appreciate the children's choir and the work of the ladies uh, preparing that for us this morning. And if you are interested, you can go back to our live stream. And it's uh, going to be, of course, cataloged on our website or on the YouTube channel or Facebook or wherever our videos appear. And you'll be able to watch your children again. You might be able to clip that out if you know how to do that and put that in a digital scrapbook somehow and keep that. Uh, but it's good. And, and you know, we don't, we don't always applaud in church because we understand that it's not about man. It's about the Lord, and we want to be careful in, in glorifying man. But I also want to encourage children to use their gifts for the Lord. And so uh, I started an applause there because I felt like we ought to encourage the kids. And so if you see them in the hallway, thank them for that and encourage them to use their gifts and their talents for the Lord because if they don't use them here, the devil will have them using somewhere else. And so let's encourage them in the Lord today. Matthew chapter 15 this morning, Matthew chapter 15. And uh, again, we want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. We're going to speak about a mother in turmoil, a mother in turmoil. And uh, it doesn't sound like a very cheerful topic for, for uh, Mother's Day, does it? And, uh, but uh, you'll see that her turmoil turned to joy. And because of the steps that she took towards the Lord Jesus Christ and his investment in her life, and I was reading Matthew, uh, Mark chapter, you know, I've been saying through Mark, the book of Mark, and I was reading in the book of Mark, and I came across this parallel passage in Matthew 15, and I kind of looked up in my notes, and I thought, have I ever preached this before, this passage of Scripture about the Syrophoenician woman, or in Matthew, they call her a Canaanite, and, uh, and I thought, have I ever preached this passage? It's a difficult passage. It's, it's not one that, that makes us feel all warm and fuzzy because of some of the things that are said in it. And you'll understand when I read it in a moment. And I've preached it two other Mother's Days, back in 2002 and in 2015. And so I was very careful not to look at those notes when I saw that because I wanted a new message, a fresh message. And uh, isn't the Word of God wonderful that you can read a passage and find something new every single time? How many of you, sometimes it makes you angry, doesn't it? You've read it 50 times and went, why didn't I see that before? Because the Lord is just trying to give it to you today and show you something new and fresh. And his mercies are new every morning. And that's often because of what we find in the word of God. And so let's look today, Matthew chapter 15. And I think you'll agree with me that it's not a warm and fuzzy passage. We don't like some of the things that even the Lord Jesus Christ says in this passage. But with proper context and understanding, I think we will come to appreciate it in the end. Let's look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. <clears throat> Then Jesus went thence and departed in the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent unto the house... I'm sorry, let me read that again. I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Boy, we don't like that verse, do we? That's difficult. Verse 27. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. 
Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Heavenly Father, help us. Lord, as we read verse 28, we're excited to see the work of the Lord in the life of this Syrophoenician woman, this Canaanite that was outside of the covenant of Israel, because we can identify with that. We are Gentiles ourselves, most of us in this room anyway. We were not born as the children of David, the seed of Abraham. But Lord, thank God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can be that spiritual seed. We can be born again into the family of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, as we look at this passage today and unpack it a little bit, Lord, that we would see truly what the Lord was teaching and how he was helping this mother in turmoil today. The one that was struggling with the sickness and the, and, and the disease of her daughter. And we pray, Lord, that you would just strengthen us, Lord, in our walk with you as a result. Father, I need your help, and I pray that you might fill me with thy Holy Spirit. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's such a difficult passage because it seems so out of character for the Lord, doesn't it? To say something so seemingly cold-hearted. It is not meet that we take the master's bread and cast it to the dogs. We would never talk to somebody like that. We would never call somebody a name like that. I got in trouble one day because I was using my limited Spanish. And I, I used the word para, which is dog. And I didn't realize that in the context I was using it, I was actually insulting somebody. I just thought I was talking about a dog. And I didn't realize I was calling somebody a dog. And they, they got kind of upset with it and they were taken aback. And really, and my wife explained to them, he's, he's an idiot. That's basically... <laughs> He, think, he knows just enough Spanish to be dangerous. I, I used to get in trouble with my mother-in-law all the time. I'd say, Madre Vahia, which is old mother. And I, I understood just enough to get in trouble. And uh, sometimes I read this and I wonder, was Jesus misspeaking? But the Lord never misspoke, did he? Every word he said was calculated. There was not an idle word out of his mouth. When the Lord Jesus Christ said it is not meet to take the master's bread and to cast it into dogs, it, it seems so out of character because we remember him also saying, I must needs go through Samaria and finding another Gentile, another woman outside of the children of Israel that, that he would minister and save her soul and give her living water. We're reminded of the centurion that came to the Lord Jesus Christ and pleaded on behalf of his servant the centurion was no doubt a Roman, and yet the Lord Jesus Christ granted him his request. We're reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 3 spoke to Nicodemus, and he told him this, for God so loved, what? The world. Not just the Jews, but the whole world. That his blood was shed. For every man, woman, and child who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so to read this passage of Scripture seems totally under, out of character. But because it's out of character, we can look at the Scriptures as a whole and say there must be something deeper here. There must be a more important thing that we must understand. And I believe it was exactly that. I don't believe the Lord meant it to be an insult at all, but instead a test. A trial of her faith. 
It seems like as we read the scriptures that the the Jewish people like to speak often in illustrations or allegory. And I think the Lord was just making an illustration here and helping them to understand, not, not calling her a dog or trying to cast her down in such a way, but to simply say, like this situation, we're not to misappropriate what God has. So let's look at the scriptures today and notice some things. First of all, we will see her concern. The Bible says in verse 21, Then Jesus went thence and departed on the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Never mind what the affliction of the daughter was. It, it really doesn't matter whether she was sick or afflicted with the devil. The, the truth is this. The woman understood that only Jesus could help her. You know, that's true about a lot of things in this life. And there's always a, a time in each of us lives. How, how many of you know this? That out of the billions of people that have ever lived on this earth, death has a 100% success rate. I mean, 99.99999, right? I mean, very close. Elijah survived death. Enoch walked right out of this world. And even though the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, he defeated death and hell. And he rose again. But everybody else that's ever walked on this earth has died. And if the Lord tarries his coming long enough, so will each of us. There will come a point... There will come a day when no medicine can help you any longer. No therapy could minister to your need. Nobody could come in, no pastor, priest, or anybody could pronounce anything over your body laying in that bed and, and bring you back to a place where you were functional and healthy again. At that moment, there's nowhere to turn but the Lord. I would suggest to you today that that ought to be our first turn now. We ought to lean wholly and fully upon the Lord. And I'm not discounting going to a doctor when you need help. I, I go to doctors. And, and, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't receive the things that the Lord has provided for us on this earth. But our number one concern ought to be getting to Jesus. And that's the concern of this woman. The Bible says that she came out of the coast of uh, Canaan and she yelled unto David, uh, to Jesus, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. She even acknowledged that he was a, a child of the Jews, that he was born of the family of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And we see in her concern her heart for her child. Her heart for her child. Many years ago, when we were in Hamilton, I had to do a late-night call. There was somebody that had gone through a death in their family, and we got a call, I think it was about 11.30 at night, and it was a, a child that had died a crib death. And the neighborhood that they lived in was Oriole Crescent, and if Cody would perk right up right away hearing Oriole Crescent, it's a, a, a very bad area, low-income area. It got so bad that we would not allow our ladies to go in there on visitation unless they were with men. It was, it was kind of a scary neighborhood. But on the other hand, most of our bus kids came from that area. We could run a bus through there and get 30 kids. And we had just been raising our kids, and our kids were little, and, and we were just kind of trying to learn some things, and we were learning about pop, pop, proper rest patterns and things, and it said that when a child doesn't get their proper rest, they're just going to be acting out. 
They're going to fuss and cry and cause problems. They're going to get hyperactive and all these different things. 11.30 at night in the summertime, I drove into that complex, and you would not believe the babies out playing. Kids in their diapers playing on the sidewalk while the parents were drinking and smoking pot and partying all night on a Friday night. And, and I thought, it's no wonder all these kids are on Ritalin. It's no wonder these kids are all hyperactive and getting in trouble and acting out. They, they don't eat properly. They don't sleep properly. They don't have parents that care about their well-being. As a matter of fact, that same family that we visited, when that child died, her oldest child was also turning 18 years old, and she went out on purpose and got pregnant very quickly because her check was about to drop as that child had died and her oldest would turn 18. But mother's allowance was $1,000 a month or something. Incredible. It wasn't about the child. It was about their personal needs. But this woman of Syrophoenicia, this Canaanite woman, we see that her concern was her child. She was troubled for her child. She put the needs of her child first. And let me say this, the trouble of a child is a mother's trouble as well. It's refreshing to see that this mother is concerned enough for her children to pray for them and take them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's no greater thing we can do for our kids but to get them to Jesus. Bring them to the foot of the cross, worship with them, and teach them how important it is to look to Jesus Christ. It is interesting to note that in God's word that it seems like it is always pressing need that brings people to Jesus. In the story of the prodigal son, we see that it was a great need that took him back to the father's house. We read in the scriptures that, that it's an opportunity to bring somebody to Jesus. So many came to Christ because they were in dire need, and this woman is no different. And let me just say as a side this morning, what an opportunity we have when we see somebody in need to bring them to Jesus. Because need drives us to the foot of the cross. So we see this woman's concern. Her heart for her child and her help from her Christ. Note her prayer. Lord, help who? Me. Her life was so intertwined with her family that a cry for help for her child was a cry for help for herself. She selfish, unselfishly brought her child to the Lord and said, Lord, help me. The burden of the child was so great upon a mother, she too felt the affliction. To help the child was to help her. Her prayer was one of intercession. She prayed for her child. If we were to go back into the Old Testament and read the prayer of Moses, we would often read that prayer and think Moses is just praying for himself. God, help me, help me, give me wisdom and give me direction and allow me to lead these people. But if you read very carefully in the context which is given, the Bible very plainly shows us it is a prayer for all of Israel. Moses' heart was soul for his people that as he prayed for them, he prayed for himself. And this woman is the same. The apostle Paul said this, I wish myself accursed that Israel might be saved. Let me ask you this today. As parents, do we have that kind of burden for our children? I gladly take their place. I remember just a short time ago, it wasn't that long ago, that 
my daughter and my daughter-in-law both suffered miscarriages just a couple weeks apart. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you how badly, and I, don't get all goofy with me about this same gender stuff. I'm not talking about that. But I, I wish it would have happened to me and not them. I know men can't have miscarriages. By the way, let me say that louder for those in the back. Men can't have miscarriages. Men can't have babies. That had nothing to do with the message. I just thought you ought to hear that. But I would have gladly taken their place. It broke my heart to see their turmoil. Let me ask you, what is your heart for your kids? Is it a heart to give them to Jesus and find the help of the Savior? Well, we see, secondly, not just her, her concern, we see her challenge. In verse 23, the Lord challenged her faith, didn't he? It says, but he answered her not a word. Just stop there for a moment. If this weren't the Lord Jesus Christ, we'd say, well, typical man. A woman speaks, and a man doesn't listen. This wasn't a typical man. This was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is the one whom the Bible says is nigh to the brokenhearted. And yet he answered her not a word. We see, first of all, the challenge of apparent rejection. She spoke to Jesus and received no answer. And sometimes that's the Lord's way to test us and to establish our faith. With the blind man, he simply could have healed him, but he chose to make clay out of spit and tell him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. With Mary and Martha, he waited for four days before he would call Lazarus forth from a grave. Lazarus was only sick when he called. Sometimes the answer is not always instant. And so I did not say the, the challenge of rejection. I said the challenge of apparent rejection. For the woman, she would have felt instantly, the Lord's not hearing me. He's not listening. Perhaps I'll cry louder. And we don't know how many times she cried or how hard she tried to get the Lord's attention. But listen, how many of you know that even when we whisper a prayer, the Lord Jesus Christ hears us? He was not dull of hearing. There was no need to think that he was struggling with any slight of imperfection in his ears. He heard. But he chose not to answer. He answered her not a word. So we see the challenge of apparent rejection. You ever been like that? You ever prayed and prayed and prayed and said, the Lord is not hearing me? The Bible is plain that there are times when the Lord will not hear. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But you can honestly say, I... I've begged the Lord, I've pleaded with the Lord, I've, I've cleansed my heart, I've asked Christ to forgive me of my sins and, and, and to root out any unknown thing to me and, and that I might make it plain with the Lord and I might make it right with God and, and, and yet I pray and it seems like he doesn't hear. Maybe the Lord doesn't love me. I want you to know that's not true at all. But perhaps the Lord is just testing your faith and your resolve. So we see the challenge of apparent rejection. Secondly, we see the challenge of abhorrent rudeness. 
The challenge of abhorred ruins. ruins. Look at it says in verse 23, but he answered her not a word and his disciples. How many of you know the disciples always mess things up? You say, how can you say that with any authority? Because I'm a disciple. You're a disciple. The disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ or the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ often do more to turn people away from Jesus than they do to point people to Jesus. Guilty. Guilty. And notice what they say. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Let me give you the Al Fury translation of that. Tell her to get lost. She's nothing but a nag. Isn't that what they're saying? She just keeps crying after us and whining and complaining and nagging. And it seems to imply that she didn't cry out once for the Lord. But she went to the Lord and she went to his disciples and she pleaded with them and begged them. And I can't get the Lord to hear me. Would you go and tell him? She was persistent. But they were rude to her. Send her away, Lord, for she crieth after us. Between the silence of the Lord and the surliness of the disciples, her faith was severely tested. Many of us would have walked away empty-handed and broken-hearted at the behavior of the disciples and the silence of the Lord. But notice thirdly, the challenge of apparent refusal. Verse 24, But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When the Lord finally did answer her, it seemed like he was saying no. It's not my job. As our evangelist put it just a couple months ago, not my circus, not my monkeys. The Lord apparently was saying, I'm just going to stay in my lane. I've been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I've come to the Jew first. That's who I'm supposed to reach. And it seems like he's saying no to this lady. But again, the scriptures remind us that if we seek, we shall find. And she continued on and she pressed on and she kept being persistent in her prayers to the Lord. And so we see the challenge of apparent refusal. She, she was really being tested. The Lord knew how she would react. Perhaps the test was in part for the disciples. She cried out, Lord, son of David. But he had, she had no right. For she was not of the house of David. She was on the outside looking in. Then we see a fourth challenge, the challenge of apparent rebuke. When she wouldn't take no for an answer, the Lord rebuked her. In verse 26, the Bible says this, But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. I don't know about you, but that would be the final straw for me. It'd be one thing to, to insult or to be told no or to hear silence on the other end. But to be insulted, to be rebuked in such a way would be difficult to take. Several years ago, my family and I, we were traveling to the East Coast and we stopped in Quebec 
on our way and we were, we were hungry. So we just went to a, a fast food place and we went up to the register to order. And I know just about as much French as I do Spanish. And so I did my best and tried to order. And the lady was standing there and I opened my mouth and, and uh, I tried to order burgers for the kids or whatever. And she, she was like this. And as soon as I opened my mouth, spoke English, she turned and she walked away and she never came back. She just left. <laughs> and I thought, okay, she's going to get somebody who's going to speak English. And she went over there and she started, you can see her doing this and and they were looking at us, and they were laughing, and they were making fun, and we're just like, what do we do? And I think it was my wife says, we, we might as well just go. We're not going to get anything here, it doesn't look like. And I, I, I figured French hamburgs taste the same as English hamburgs. I didn't care. So we just ended up leaving. You know, if, if, they, if they struggled understanding, if they could not hear what I was saying, that is one thing, but to be insulting... Turned me away. So we're not going to stay here. And it almost feels like the Lord is insulting her, doesn't it? To cast the bread of the children before the dogs. The challenge of the parent rebuke. And yet, she persevered. Let me just say before we move to the next point again, I don't believe the Lord is insulting. It's not within his nature or within his character. I believe the Lord is testing and using an illustration that he might test her. He's not calling her a dog. He's comparing it to another situation. And yet the lady persists. And notice this morning, not just her concern or her challenge, but notice her consolation. Verse 27. And she said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. We see, first of all, the reward of her humility. The reward of her humility. The words of Christ were meant to test her faith, but also her humility. She was willing to take her place wherever the Lord would place her. You know, I believe today that so many don't get saved because we will not acknowledge we're sinners. We will not admit to God and agree with the scriptures that we are lost and we are undone. Our, our human ego and pride says, no, I'm good enough. I'm not that bad. And, and, and my good outweighs my bad. And if you're tipping the scales, they should be in my favor that I might go to heaven one day. But when we admit we're a sinner, when we humble ourselves to the Lord, then he can save us. It's then and only then when we confess our sins is he faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. The Bible says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And this woman in her humility found that her, she was rewarded and so she took her place wherever Christ would assign her that she might find the help that she looked for. We see the reward of her faith and we see the, or the reward of her humility and we also see the recognition of her faith. In verse 28, the Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. Everything she asked for, she got. 
And it was because of her faith. Because she continued to believe that God was good no matter what the circumstances. I heard a statement this week and I thought, well, this is really good. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit more tonight as I was studying it came to light. We tend to look at everything horizontally. We look at all the trials and the troubles, and tonight we'll look at the feeding of the 4,000, not the 5,000, and the conclusion of that matter there. The disciples were looking at things horizontally, weren't they? They could see the need of the 5,000, and they could see the need of the 4,000, and they could see that they only had a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish, and all they could see was the problem that lied behind them, in front of them, but the Lord Jesus Christ sees vertically. He knows he has a heavenly father that can provide for every need. And this woman in her faith could not be deterred. She knew that Christ was sent from God. He was the son of David, a reference to his Messiahship, and that he could save her daughter if she would just keep trusting. And the Lord said, oh, woman, great is thy faith. What a great example for us us today on this Mother's Day for how we should plead for our children how we should take them to the Lord. I want you to notice this woman was praised for her faith, not her love of her child or the compassion of her daughter, but she was praised for her faith because that's what we need most in raising our children, isn't it? Yes, we should have compassion, we should have care for them, and we should love our kids, but the greatest thing we can have is faith because when we have faith, we are partners with God in this endeavor called parenthood. Let me give you some conclusions this morning. Three things. Number one, prayer. I'll just start with the word prayer. We need moms and dads who bring their cares and troubles to the master. We often often say that, that the Bible is our only rule for faith and practice, but we don't actually practice that. We often say, oh, I believe in the power of prayer. We had a politician here one day, and she came up, and she says, I believe in the power of prayer, so thank you for praying for me. And then I saw something in the news where she was striking down somebody that wanted to pray to open up a public meeting, and she was fighting against it. I thought you believed in the power of prayer. Hey, it's not something we ought to just say. It's not a bumper sticker Christianity. But instead, it ought to be a vital part of our lives. Prayer. Taking our children to the Lord. Holding them up before God. This woman boldly held her children up before the throne of grace. That throne of grace was walking upon the earth in the form of Jesus Christ. There's another word I want you to think about today is the word perseverance. She had a persevering faith, didn't she? She was able to follow after the Lord even in the spite of of all the things that happened. The rudeness of the disciples seemed like she'd been refused and rejected by the Lord and even insulted at times. But she persevered because she believed that Christ could make additions. She was basically saying, say whatever you want about me. Lord, help my child. Lord, help my child. And here's another word. The word Priorities. What is the most important thing in your life? Your relationship with the Lord ought to be number one. But then we ought to put others before ourselves. There's a little chorus the kids will sing sometimes at camp. 
called joy. You ever heard that chorus? Jesus, others, then you. This is the way we spell joy. Now, I know I don't have a scripture verse that says that exact thing, but that's a Bible principle, isn't it? Let every man esteem others better than themselves. Pray for one another. Bear one another's burdens. Listen, we're talking in the context of Mother's Day and parenthood today. We ought to put our children first. Give them the priority. The great concern of a mother is the salvation of her children. I know I've shared before, and I've just closed with this. I remember how many times Cody's mom was at an altar begging the Lord for the soul of her son. And today he's going off with his family to plant a church. The Lord will answer. How many of you know this? The Lord is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. So just pray, persevere and prioritize. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us. I pray you bless our families. Lord, our church is only as strong as our families. We won't have another generation, Lord, unless we have some children raised up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so I pray, Lord, that you just continue this cycle. For 91 years now, we've seen children come to the Lord and grow up in this church for generations. Lord, may that continue. But Lord, it's not just about the children. It starts with us us as parents and grandparents to be faithfully bringing our children to the Lord, pleading with God for their salvation, for their righteousness, for their holy living. Lord, that we might see a generation raised up that will become the servants in the local church that will, just like these children this morning, become the next choir, the next ushers, the next bus workers, Sunday school teachers, deacons, even pastors. So Lord, I pray that you would just work in our hearts today, Lord, to commit ourselves to this all-important task, Lord, of raising our children for the glory of the Lord. Lord, we're not perfect. We make so many mistakes. But Lord, we need desperately your help. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And we have some going to get ready for baptism. Pastor Paul's going to come and take our invitation today. If God has spoke to your heart, this altar is open even now. Would you come?